As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait. Merry Christmas and almost a happy new year to everyone. Check us. Thanks for checking us out. Whether you're streaming or on YouTube or checking out the audio version later, we appreciate you. We're going to take some time uh, later in the episode to thank everyone that's left reviews. Basically, during this holiday season, since back on Black Friday, we kind of put out the word because we appreciate you taking that time to, to watch the show and do that. So we'll read some of those at the end of the show. Um, programming, know, best time of the year to sign up for The Athletic, $1 a month for 12 months. Go to theathletic.com slash can't wait to get that great deal. Uh, we are it's, it's Tuesday, Zach, but the Jets won. Yeah, Victory Tuesday. <laughs> Victory Tuesday, exactly. Um, We are going to talk about Woody's comments about the whole regime coming back next year, what that means. We'll get into the game as well. More about the things from the game that matter for the future than actually just winning a game on uh, Christmas Eve that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Uh, We'll look ahead a little bit to the big matchup with Michael Dunn and the Cleveland Browns on Thursday night, and we'll do our picks as well. So lots to get to here on the show. Zach, let's start with Woody uh, talking about Salah and Douglas said, my decision is to keep them. I think we've had some positive moves. The culture of the team is a lot better. The defense is better. The offense, quote, needs a few pieces. Um, Obviously, we expected this to be the decision. Were you surprised at all by the timing, though? I I feel like Woody could have made him sweat a, a little more than he did by by kind of having this conversation with you guys with three games left to go and this team playing the way they are. Yeah, my my impression is that it was kind of a concerted effort to get ahead of it because they already were out of the playoffs. And so I think you had this game against Washington, one of the league's worst teams on Sunday. And if they had lost it, which you know they almost did and it would have been an absolute disaster. Um I think there's there's something to like getting ahead of it. And so like if that happened then they still could feel like, all right, well, they're safe still kind of thing. So ultimately they won that game. Uh, and this is kind of the regime that's going to go in the next year. I think the most important figureheads of that obviously are Sala, Joe Douglas, Nathaniel Hackett. I think we all knew that was obviously coming, as you said, especially once Aaron Rodgers endorsed everybody. I think we we knew that was going to be the case. But um, 
yeah, you know, I, I didn't expect to get get to the stadium on Sunday and then have to deal with like that news. I did. I, I definitely didn't. I thought maybe it would come towards the end of the year or when Woody talked to the t- uh, media after the season or all that stuff. But, you know, ultimately, I think there's a, f- a few parts of this. I think there's one part of, I think it's fair for fans who are, you know, not happy about this news because they haven't really sniffed the playoffs with Robert Sala or Joe Douglas. And I think that a lot of times this year, including this game against Washington, they've like come out there and it seems like they've been unprepared. They were not able to bounce back from the Rogers injury in a way that they turned into the worst offense in the league, arguably. Um, I'd I'd say maybe not arguably. I think they might've been the worst offense in the league. Uh, And I think that's all worth, you know, that's all understandable criticism. And there's also the side of it of, okay, let's say they fire Robert Sala. Like what coach is going to want to take this job where Aaron Rodgers is kind of has a very big voice in this. He probably wants to make sure Nathaniel Hackett stays. So like okay, hypothetically you fire Robert Sala, like who are they replacing him with? Who wants to take this job? Maybe there's somebody, I don't know, but it's, it's very possible it's a one and done type situation. So I, uh, I think everybody has decided it was a mulligan. It was a mulligan year. Next year is the last one. You know, next year is the last guaranteed year on on Rogers' contract, I believe. So, uh, it's kind of like the last hurrah for everybody. And if it goes well, then everybody will get re-upped. And if it goes terribly, everybody get fired. And that's kind of how it felt like it was going to go this year initially. And then, worst case scenario happened, or maybe not worst case scenario. Maybe worst case scenario would have been Rogers plays and they're bad. Uh, right. Instead, he didn't play and everybody's safe. So, I think there's a lot that this staff needs to work on. There's a lot they did not handle very well, uh, both internally and on the field. And the biggest, uh, the bigger concern for me is the Hackett side of things, just because I think he's kind of shown that he can't really, he can't, when things fall apart, he cannot handle himself very well. And that's kind of not a good attribute in your play caller. It, it helps to have Rodgers out there. But I think the biggest difference you're going to see this offseason is they're going to prepare better for the worst case scenario because it, it felt as if they just did nothing when, when the worst case scenario happened and Rodgers gets hurt. So um, very curious to see how they invest in the quarterback position this offseason the offensive line, all that stuff we're going to cover ad nauseum for weeks and weeks and weeks after the season's officially over. But, yeah, it's surprising, but not surprising. Like, the surprising part was when it was announced. Not surprising that it's happening. Now the question is, what does Robert Sala and Joe Douglas do to fix this mess that, that is kind of here? So everybody's back, but that doesn't mean necessarily all the roles stay the same, right? I mean, is there is there a world where they could say, all right, you know, Hackett's back great not falling play like you think they could realistically do that we've talked about it i feel like every one of these podcasts for months now yeah you can't be the play caller um and part of the fix there is aaron Rodgers just changing the play to whatever he wants which will happen but you could also just you know you can keep hack it keep him in a important role as far as he's concerned where you're not demoting him but have somebody else making those actual calls on sunday what I would do and what I think they will do are two different things. Obviously, I like I, what I would do is look. I, I don't think there's any issue with keeping Hackett here. I, I definitely think he can bring value. Um, I just don't think that value is play calling. So, I if I if I had my druthers, I would say make him push him into a different role, whether it's passing game coordinator or assistant head coach, uh, something like that. And assistant head coach would be a tremendous like failing upwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh. Yes, I agree. Um, but I, because then you could bring somebody in. But the issue, like the person they need to bring in, needs to have the trust of Rogers. Also, like that's 
that's why I don't think it's going to happen ultimately. I, I think a name, and I mentioned him in my postgame story, and I've heard him mention elsewhere, like if the Bears change their staff, their OC, Luke Getzey, is a guy that was in Green Bay. Um, so he he would make a lot of sense in, in a to a degree of someone that Rodgers trusts to call plays. But otherwise, I don't think there's anyone that that's necessarily out there that I can think of that would make a lot of sense for Rodgers because he, he's – he only played for two head coaches, I believe, right? Mike McCarthy and yeah. um, Matt LaFleur. So it's not like he went through like a lot of different offense coordinators where he had experience with them, or I guess there was a bunch of different quarterbacks coaches. But like Getsy's the one that makes sense to me, but the, the Bears are playing really well all of a sudden, and they look like a real threat to make the playoffs. And a real threat, you know, there's a lot of talk about how if the Jets and Packers line up in the standings, they'll play each other next year. The Packers, the Bears are a real threat to like mess that plan up, honestly. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's, it seems like the Jets will probably finish in third in the division, but that NFC North is kind of like the 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 two, three, and four spots are pretty close together with the Vikings, Bears, and Packers. So um, that's something to keep in mind. But yeah, I I would change the roles around. I don't see that happening, but I do wonder if if Salah brings in whether it's via getting rid of somebody like Keith Carter or Todd Downing or Rob Calabrese, whatever it is, and bringing in a a veteran voice, whether it's someone who has history with Rodgers or not. Um, at a certain point, you don't want too many cooks in the kitchen, but uh, like they need to show that they're making a significant change here. And I, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to. The biggest change is probably going to be personnel-wise, getting a receiver and new offensive line and all that stuff. I I just don't. I don't get the Hackett thing in terms of like pure football coaching. <laughs> like I know Roger. We talked about this already, but the whole like it's a quarterback-friendly offense. It's it's friendly to him because he gets to run it. Like. I, I know for a fact that even in training camp, um, like when Hackett would call play Rodgers almost, not always, but I, I would say pretty frequently, like he was making his own calls at the line, even like in practices. So um, that's kind of how it goes. And that this is what Rodgers wanted. He wanted the power and the freedom to like kind of like run his show. I know him and LaFleur butted heads at times because he didn't like the kind of offense that LaFleur ran to a degree, a lot of motion. And he, Rodgers likes what Rogers likes about this offense is it gives the quarterback the power to like do things on his own. Like he gets to go out there and if he sees something, he can call this, he can call that. He can tell a guy to run around in this direction or just get open, or it can be some like backyard football type stuff. Whereas like the LaFleur offense and the both the floors, I should say the LaFleur that was here, it's very like structured and you're supposed to, the quarterback is kind of like, that's why Brock Purdy is so successful because everything's like planned out and all that stuff. So anyway, it's a long way of saying I, I don't see a change at offensive coordinator coming, even if there should be one. Yeah, we'll keep talking about that, I'm sure. And and that's going to be a storyline, you know, into training camp and everything as as you see this offense kind of develop with Rodgers back and all of that. All right, let's get into the game a little bit. Obviously, great start, 17 points in the first quarter, the most points in a first quarter by the New York Jets in almost 10 years since 2014. They were up 27 to 7 at the half. Uh, Brees Hall was great. Garrett was great early in the first half. Um, Then the wheels come off a little bit, but Zerline saves the day late. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. To stick with the offense, I guess, um, they're up 27-7, to 7, Zach, and you'd think they would just feed the run game in the second half and just shorten the game. Um, gives you a chance to not just, you know, feature Brees Hall, who did get 20 carries in this game for 95 yards, but give Izzy some more carries, right? Like he, he, we got a little dose of, of Izzy, um, but he could have gotten even more runs if you're pounding the ball in the second half uh, behind an offensive line that looked a little better this week. But instead, Trevor Simeon ends up throwing 49 passes in this game. Was this like the, was it almost like Hackett going overboard with the like letting it letting it rip thing, even when you know at some point you got to be smart and you have a big lead? I know they haven't had a big lead; it's something new. But here's your chance to actually be conservative because it's maybe the right thing. Yeah, I I, I think there was, I, you kind of feel it was like kind of it kind of felt like Hackett um, was like, oh, everything's working, so I'm just going to keep pedal to the metal, <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to keep trying, and. I think that was the wrong choice, clearly. Like that, especially with how good Brees was. Like that was like vintage Brees Hall. Izzy was making some plays. Dalvin Cook didn't even get a carry, by the way. But yeah, it didn't really make much sense to me in the second half where they were not running the ball very much. Um, I do think while it was great that they finished these drives with touchdowns uh in the first half, I think it is important to note that I think at least the first three and maybe the first four drives started in uh Washington territory and including one that started at like the eight yard line. So there weren't long drives, which is a better sign of like good play calling, I think. But you know, they, they finished those drives out. Um Brees and Garrett had a big role in the first half. Garrett didn't have a, a target in the second half until the fourth quarter, which, you know, for he did finish with like 14 targets or something like I, I have it I think it was yeah, 15 that. targets. Yeah, nine catches for 76 yards and a, a lot of yak yards in there too. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing that they hadn't been doing this season, get, getting these guys the ball and letting them have the opportunity to make plays in space. I mean, Brees Hall had um, 16 targets, which is an astronomical amount for a running back. And I saw Rich Samini tweet. I think he's like fifth in the NFL in receptions over the last, like, I forget how, what the week range was. I think like five weeks. <laughs> um, he's in like the top five because he's they've finally – we talked about earlier in the year, like why are they not throwing the ball more? You're seeing what he can do with that. Yeah, this was a just a true Brees Hall dominate, domination game against a bad defense, admittedly, but um, signs of signs of optimism. But again, against a bad team, they did not hold it down well. They had 14 penalties for 150 yards. Like 150 yards of penalties is insane. Um, they, at one point early in the season, they were pretty low in the rankings for penalties, and it's been so bad over the last like eight weeks that they're third, third or second. They were third going into Sunday. Uh, they might might have jumped because of how many penalties they had. They've been the second or third most penalized team in the NFL, which is not a good time sign of discipline. Offensive line was better. Trevor Simeon was getting rid of the ball quickly. Bad opponent, meaningless game, ugly football. 
but a win's a win. Um, it, it did feel like the kind of game the Jets normally lose. Like they blew that lead. The kicker lines up. They're like, well, obviously the Jets kicker is going to miss this this field goal. Um, but Greg Zerline is like the anti-Jet in a lot of ways, where he just he just does his job every week consistently. Like he's just been an absolute stud as a kicker, and he's ha- hitting free agency. I'm very curious to see what they do about it. I, th- I I wrote that it wouldn't surprise me if they gave him like a Cairo Santos type contract. I don't know if they want to give out a long term deal to a kicker, but he's not you a young this kicker guy either. Go. Yeah, he's not young. You can't let him go. You can't let Morstead go. Like. The fans would riot if you lose the first two good kicker and punter that you had at the same time in a long, long time. So um, Greg Zerline, their MVP of that game, absolutely. But questionable for Thursday, right? Yeah. What ha- Jets, um, Jets luck, I guess. Um, yeah, what came out of the game with a, came out of the game with a quad injury, is what Salah said. Uh, on the I think he said he's not gonna, he's either limited or not going to. Yeah, uh, yeah, we we didn't get the specifics yeah. on that, honestly. Um, and he probably wouldn't have given them, but. Um, Sorry, I have a little cold right now. The season has worn me down, <laughs> but I, I would I would say that uh, yeah, I think they said they're going to see how it goes today, which is you know a lot of times in Salah speak probably means it's not good. But um, yeah. if they sign a kicker today or tomorrow, uh, then that might not be a great sign for Greg on Thursday. Um, you don't want to risk further injury to arguably your best players. <laughs> We'll see what happens there. But they, they had that guy, Austin Seibert, that they signed earlier in the year that maybe he can come back. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is a it's a game against the Browns that we're going to talk about, obviously, in a little bit. Joe Flacco's been going off, but I, I do think the Jets' defense can stop their offense. So it will be like a grimy-type game that will probably be won on a field goal. Uh, so ideally you have Greg there if you want to win. The uh, the Browns showed on Sunday that you actually don't need a kicker to win in the NFL. Oh, good point. Yeah, play and they just started going for two and and making it happen. And granted, they're playing a bad team. Well, bad team because of their their missing star quarterback. But um, but yeah, that was fascinating to see them. You know, no no other options. Sometimes you see the punter give it a go as the place kicker when the kicker goes down, but the Browns just said, yeah, we're just going to go for two every time and see how, how that plays out. Um, I mentioned the O-line being better. That's It's a low bar to clear, considering how they yeah. were the week before. Um, but when you're looking for bright spots, Joe Tipman was solid again. Yeah, he didn't give up any pressures. Um, the O-line overall was pretty solid, especially in the running game. Uh I think Lake and Tom was in struggled a bit. I still think Mackay um, has had a hard, hard time lately. Um, I'm curious to see what his free agent market is, but yeah, I mean, Joe Tittman's a positive um, and this experience for both him and Carter Warren is those are the two guys that are getting the most valuable experience over these last couple of games. Cause especially this week for Carter Warren, when he has to go against miles Garrett a bit, <laughs> um, both him and Mackay will probably see him. And uh, I fear for Trevor Simeon's life in that regard, but um, yeah, I mean, the offensive line is the biggest problem area on this team, and the fact that you can at least say that you have a center that you're you're able to build around, like that's an important position to lock in. And a lot of the best teams have a center for a long time, uh, especially because it's so important position for the relationship with the quarterback and calling out the protections and stuff like that. So this this is valuable experience for him, and I think he's done. I don't think he's been as like amazing as maybe people are interpreting his performances like he hasn't given up pressures which is very good I, I think he has a lot of work to do but i think he's progressed throughout the season and he's become a very solid center 
Which for a rookie is what I think that's what you want, right? You're not yeah. you don't expect the guy drafted when he was drafted. He wasn't like a top ten pick to yeah. uh, to step in and do what he's doing. Um, the defense, you know, it's funny. There was a lot of highlights from the defense and what they did with Sam Howell. Uh, six of twenty two, fifty six yards, two picks. Obviously, they dominated the first half, but then they allowed Jacoby Brissett to move the ball on them. Um, yeah. And you know, the interception by Simeon was a killer because I feel like if they get in on that drive when they're inside the red zone in the third quarter, uh, that really puts the game away. And instead, Simeon throws the interception. They get out of that territory. They go down and score, and suddenly the momentum swings. But the defense didn't exactly slam the door in the second half. I, it just feels like they're getting tired. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think there's something to that. They are a little banged up at, at some spots, too. Um but yeah, I, you know, I, I think this, this is kind of how it goes when the season kind of the wheels come off a little bit. Um, but I, I still think this is a great defense and I'm, I, I'm curious to see how they come out to play on Thursday, especially on a short week. Cause the Browns have been obviously firing all cylinders offensively. And Mari Cooper has been absolutely dominant. Um, Joe Flacco is Joe Flacco of old. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it's kind of how this, these last like, few weeks it seems like the defense is kind of worn down a little bit but um thursday's gonna be a real test because i think the browns are stoppable but they haven't been very stoppable lately so that'll be interesting yeah let's go into it a little more and flacco we've talked about it that the flaw right is is his immobility yeah. um, although they got him out of the pocket a couple times on sunday <laughs> and he made some big throws, old Joe Flacco, right? He's always been able to throw a great deep ball. He threw some of those and, and Amari Cooper, you mentioned on fire and he's been the big benefactor of those, those late throws, those big throws. You have this jets defensive front and pass rushers that have been, although they only had one sack on Sunday, it's been dominant all season long. And you have a Browns offensive line that while injured, is still really good, yeah. and it's really going to be interesting to see how that plays. Do you think that's the key to this game? I mean, you talk about lines often being the key to the game, but Jets' defensive front against this injured but still good Browns offensive line. I, I think the bigger key is the Browns' D-line versus the Jets' line, frankly. <laughs> that just but, feels um, like it's, we yeah. know how it's going to go. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, I but, guess that's my point is like when it's Jets' D against Browns' So if you just assume line, that's going to be a loss, yeah. Right then, right. then you look at the other side. Yeah, I – I, uh, yeah, I mean, that's like you said, like if anybody knows how Joe Flacco plays, it's this group. Um, but on the flip side, like Joe Flacco has pretty good knowledge of like what works against the Jets defense. And that's like quick throws. That's the hitting, targeting the slot, getting the ball to running back the tight end. They have a really great tight end in David Njoku, who's had a really, really good year and he's huge. So that's a mismatch for their linebackers and safeties and stuff. But yeah, I think, uh, that's going to be interesting. It's, it, I'm very curious to see how Joe plays this game. I mean, the Jets have pretty much shut down just about every quarterback other than you have uh, Dak Prescott in week two and Josh Allen in the, the Bills rematch. Like They've done great against every other quarterback. So you'd think they'd be able to stop Joe Flacco, but it's very interesting because they haven't really gone against a quarterback in recent years, especially since this defense was solid. Like That knows the defense as well as Flacco does. So I'm very curious to see how much of an advantage that is. There is the Elijah Moore part of it too. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be highly motivated, obviously <laughs> kind of shoving in the jets face. Um, Amari Cooper is the bigger problem. And if they keep him away from sauce, that's, that's worked lately when the other teams do that. But 
I still believe in DJ Reed personally, so um, I still don't think they'll travel or anything like that. But yeah, it's uh, Jets defense versus Brown offense is going to be a fun one. It would be even more fun if like Nick Chubb was still playing, but even without him, like that, the Browns offense is capable of like going off. Elijah Moore came up today in Salah's press conference, asked about him and what went wrong with him with the Jets, and he said that's. I think he said that's a story for another day. Zach, is that how he dodged that question? Yeah, some it was. I think that was the phrasing. Um, he said probably a conversation for another day. I don't really know why it's another day, considering he's not on the team anymore. But um, I mean, ultimately, I, I don't think it's that hard to figure out. I, I think I don't think the Jets um, found him to be particularly mature, and I think he kind of like showed that in the way he acted in, in multiple scenarios. Um, Talent-wise, I don't think anybody questions his talent. He hasn't really put it together still on the field, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's been as great. Like, there's flashes of it, and so it blows up on Twitter sometimes around Jets' Twitter. But ultimately, like, it has to count as a loss on the on the, on the the ledger for Joe Douglas because you gave up on a second-round pick, uh, basically just to get more ammo for the Rodgers trade. Uh, and what they replaced him with has been worse than him, no matter what you believed in the Elijah Moore last year. Um, McCall Harmon, obviously, in last year, Alan Lazard's been an absolute disaster. Corey Davis retired. Um, Randall Cobb's been terrible. So it, they, they've all been worse than what he brought to the table. But still, ultimately, like he's a guy that I don't think they viewed as a culture fit, ultimately. So they moved on. And I, I don't think it's that hard to figure out, even if Salah doesn't want to say it publicly. So um, I get it. But it's unfortunate because we saw his talent, obviously, especially that rookie year, because he had that stretch before he got hurt where he was absolutely dominating um, for like that five-week stretch. Uh and he always was a training camp star, as he was in Cleveland, because uh, the, the Browns, right? Zach Jackson, I remember messaging me during training camp, and then the season came, and it's like, okay, so he, he's, he's a training camp star. Yeah, that's kind of how it goes. Uh, but yeah, that, it will be interesting to see him play because I, I'm, you know, we're, he's a very like wired, emotional dude. So I know he's going to be highly motivated for this game, and I'm curious what his even quotes will be this week. I'm sure he's talking today. And I'm sure that's why Salah dodged it. Not, you know, by another time, you probably have the conversation next week, but not two days before the game and doesn't want to give him any extra motivation. Yeah. By the way, 50, 54 catches, 579, and one touchdown this year um, for Elijah Moore. That's 55th in the league in receptions, 59th in yards, and 145th in, obviously, touchdowns with just the one. So, I mean, not bad, but not yeah. what – the glimpses that you do see show that you think he could be. Obviously, the Browns have gone through four quarterbacks, and there's been issues like that. Um, and he is the you know he's not the number one option, maybe not the number two option, considering how well you know you mentioned the other guys besides Amari Cooper are playing. Um, anything else from Browns and Jets coming up Thursday? Do you know where you're getting brunch with Marissa? <laughs> yet? Uh, I haven't talked to her yet. Hopefully, I feel better by then because I don't want to get. Her sick because she. I don't want to get you know. I don't want to get Michael out of that. Michael Dunn is the one thing we haven't covered yet. Or Madison. Um, yeah. Or ma- more importantly, Madison. Um, <laughs> I am excited to see Michael Dunn. I hope he gets some some yeah. snaps and um, maybe he gets this spike a ball again after a touchdown. Uh, this is the Michael Bun Michael Dunn game. I can't worry about how he plays in the the actual football game. For being honest, but um, yeah, hopefully I get to see Marissa. I am frankly tired of going to Cleveland every year. It'd be nice if we didn't have to do that anymore. Uh, it seems like we should be safe for next year because I think the Jets are lined up with that division as well for a road game. Uh, I'm not sure who they're lined up. Who, whoever's, who's in third? The Steelers probably? 
Steelers or Bengals, I would say, are probably third in that division right now. I would um, imagine it'll end up being the Bengals the way they're playing now, but the yeah. Browns have kind of separated themselves as number two. Yeah, the Browns are pretty clearly second in that division. The Ravens obviously already clinched it, so um, maybe I'll avoid. I might have to go to Ohio, but at least it won't be Cleveland. Um, no disrespect. I don't know. I'm doubting nobody. For, Although I'm kind of tell you, Zach, I, when rating Cle- when rating Ohio cities, I put Cleveland Above. ahead of Cincinnati. Oh, I haven't been to Cincinnati, so that's why I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. Uh, I have been to Akron and I've been to Canton, and I do not recommend anybody ever go to those. I'm, I mean, there's Skyline Chili. It's disgusting. <laughs> I, post, but, uh, yeah. I, have, I have a friend that's uh, that's from Cincinnati, is a and a, like a diehard Bengals fan. Um, and so, if I do wind up going there, I know he'll be offended if I don't like the chili. So um, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But yeah, so I'm not thrilled to be going. Like the Jets seem to be in Ohio every freaking year. Last year's game was fun just because the ending was insane. Um, Joe Flacco to Garrett Wilson combo. Uh, but yeah, I, the game itself doesn't matter all that much, but I am very curious to see how the Jets look in this game because they didn't look very good in the second half of that Washington game. Taylor Delgado asking, is Dunn slated to start on Thursday? No. That's a good question. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think Cause, he Because I think they're getting healthier on the O-line. So. Right. They're starting he'll, to come back. He'll be, so. active. he'll be active though, yeah. He's in short yardage a lot, goal line, and obviously he plays a lot of special teams as well. So yeah. 68 will be on the field. We're pretty sure of that. But, yeah, I don't think he will be starting along the offensive line uh, this week, unfortunately, yeah. uh, for, for fans of this podcast and us. Um, and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right. Uh, let's should we do picks first or best of reviews? Let's do picks and then we'll do yeah. the reviews um at the end. Things are getting tight. This is the pick segment brought to you by BetMGM. We appreciate all the lines that we get from BetMGM and them um presenting this segment. Jimbo Brennan has jumped into the lead. He wasn't Impressive. even in the top two. He jumps up um and grabs the lead with 118 total points. Uh, new Megan Jets was, I think, second before. He's still there. KM Kazaz was first. He drops to second. You got a four-way tie for second. So things are tight. Um, what we have to figure out, Zach, too, is is this thing going to end at the end of the regular season or are oh, we going to yeah. play it through to the Super Bowl? That's a good question. We got to decide that. We could we could keep playing it through, I feel like. We've always done that in the past, but that's when we've been more involved. Um, uh, <laughs> is, yeah, true. But it would give us more time to come out with our great winner's reward, too. Exactly, yeah. So let's yeah. lean towards that, but we'll discuss it over the next week or two. Yeah, but uh, Jimbo Brennan, the in the lead as we head into week 17. All right, let's take a look 
at this week's games. Some good ones. Yeah, yeah, not bad. Uh, Jets obviously leading things off against the Browns. I took the Jets. I think they lose, but something tells me this game's really low scoring. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I had the Jets plus seven and a half as well. That's a pretty big line. Um, yeah. Although you never know. I mean, like I said, Miles Garrett might murder Trevor Simeon. So um, we'll see how that goes. Then it may still be a close game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Detroit Dallas is one of the great ones on the yeah. schedule. Uh, Saturday pretty big night. line. For that one, yeah, and I took Detroit because of the line, Me too. Plus six and a half. Uh, even though it's at Dallas, Dallas has shown a little some, you know, cracks in the armor. So. Yeah. Um. Then we got let's see, Buffalo, Buffalo twelve and a half over New England. That's a big spread, but I think they. I feel like that's just going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned the Bears. Um, that's an interesting game for them to get to seven and nine against Atlanta. The, the Bears um, being favored by that much, though, over anybody seems a little high. So I, I think yes. I went with Atlanta for that one. But Vegas Vegas Colts is an interesting one because the Vegas, the Raiders coming off the Chiefs game, they're kind of sneakily in the playoff race. The Colts are currently controlling their own destiny. I said Raiders plus three and a half, but I, I could see the, the Colts covering, honestly. Yeah, I did Raiders too just because it feels like they're – they're just hot and going to stay in this thing. Yeah. Um, and then the other, I think at the end of the week, there's Cincinnati, Kansas city. That has mm. become interesting um, yeah. as the Bengals kind of hang in there. And obviously that's big for the Browns too. Uh, this is a chance if the Browns beat the jets and Kansas city is able to beat the Bengals to really separate themselves. Um, so that one's interesting. And then the last one there, Packers Vikings is an elimination game. Yeah. You know, loser of that one's done. Probably winner's done too, but winner stays alive. So not the great, great games we had this past weekend, but but some good ones on the docket for sure. You said you're taking the Jets? Yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Jets. I, uh, Brian Sturbeck just pointed out I might murder Trevor Simeon again. I forgot that um, mm. the Browns knocked Trevor Simeon out in 2019. In his yeah, yeah, this is kind of a revenge game for him uh, to get yeah. to go back against the Browns as a member of the Jets all these years later, yeah. For sure. Yep. Uh, Taylor rude. says, Marissa, first yeah. first assignment <laughs> after maternity is to figure out the winner's award. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's, she, has, she has a lot of work on, upper, uh, on, her, on her plate for us. Including All right. Uh, so we're going to end this thing by reading through some of the reviews, um, which may be really boring for people, but we appreciate everybody that listens to the show. And some people took the time to, to put some thoughtful uh, comments on Apple. So we're going to zip through them really quick here to uh, to say thank you to everybody out there who did it. Uh, this was over the last month, basically. So here's some some good ones. We'll fly through. It hurts so good from Tom in, I assume that's supposed to be New York. If you're interested in podcasting about the Jets, that is produced and co-hosted by three devout non-Jets fans. <laughs> that's us. Boy, is the this podcast for you, but for real, this is probably my favorite Jets podcast. Thank you, Tom, for that. And yes, we we don't hide it. We root. We are not Jets fans, but I will say that I generally root for the Jets every single week because yeah. of the podcast. We want we want to cover a winning team. For winning sure. podcasts are better. That's right. Chris, uh, this one titled Chris Straveler from Big Richard Nick. Love the pod. Love Strav. Miss Marissa. Keep up the good work. That one's short and sweet. Thanks for that. Here's a long oh, one wow. from Panko Industries. Being a Jets fan is the ultimate soul-crushing grind. The highs are fleeting and new lows lurk around every corner, <laughs> often brandishing well-worn brass knuckles. We are perpetually stuck in a Sifostian <laughs> loop. So 
Where can one find a respite from this dour existence? Look no further than the Can't Wait podcast with affable host Tim McMaster, sidekick Marissa Dunn, and kind of goofy Jets best beat reporter Zach Rosenblatt. That's the nicest thing somebody's written about me. Yeah. <laughs> with a clear understanding of, in all likelihood, this will not end well for the Jets. The Can't Wait crew shares insights and analysis on New York's other football team. Rosenblatt's access as the athletic reporter saddled with daily gang green coverage gives listeners all the up-to-the-minute content they desire and tim and marissa keep the show up tempo enough so listeners aren't wallowing in jet-induced wow. despair for too long that, that actually have my job that was well written yeah thank you panko industries some short ones here jab five three eight two seven tim and zach have a great dynamic there you go zach there and i really go. enjoy listening to these as a jets fan definitely a breath of fresh air to listen watch these episodes thank you jab the Rossman says, besides Zach's mumbling and sometimes his audio <laughs> being much lower than Tim's, that's probably because Marissa's not here. It's great. Zach also seems very excited about his girlfriend. <laughs> so good for him. Excited for Marissa to come back. No golf talk is a big win for the listeners. More Connor hate. We love all the Connor hate. Tim's a great host. Uh, thank you, Rossman. <laughs> Up next, this one from Andrew Min, longtime listener. I listen in the Athletic app. Now, this is going the extra mile. Listens ad-free in the app, which we appreciate, but downloaded the Apple Podcast app just to add this five-star wow, review. That's very Always sweet. great and original content and analysis. Thank you, Andrew, for that. Chris Witz says, I have a few Jets pods that I listen to regularly and can't wait as a critical component. They don't get into the X's and O's too much. Does anybody really want to hear about the X's and O's? I don't, I don't know as much, but always keep up. To date with all the major stories, Zach is very plugged in on the behind the scenes information and it's very entertaining and a fun listen overall. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Uh, Julie Claire Lee, 64, says, love this podcast. This podcast has a great mix of thoughtful analysis and fun banter as a Jets fan who is in disbelief about what is happening this season, but also not too surprised. It is nice to hear other people feel the same way. The Jets caused me to feel frustration, but I signed up for that as a fan. Hearing reporters voice similar fan frustration about the team while also remaining objective and fair is refreshing. Hey, that's what we're going for. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the Jets might not win the Super Bowl this year or ever, but this podcast <laughs> is, in my mind, world champions of sports podcasting. Aww. The one highlight of the last two years of my Jets fandom was discovering this lovely podcast. Oh, thank you, sweet. Julia. All right, a couple more. Uh, this one from R-Schles, R-S-C-H-L-E-S. Listening to this pod is consistently more enjoyable than actually watching or listening to the Jets. That's nice. And finally, I saved the longest for last. This is a, oh a, a book here um, from Joseph. Joseph says, being a Jets fan has really made me question God's existence. <laughs> Why would an all-knowing, all-loving deity let something so awful like the Jets offense exist? <laughs> but do you know what makes me believe there is a God? This podcast. I know that after I spend 3.5 on the couch watching the worst offense in history take the field, I'll get the best recap one could get by listening to Can't Wait. Zach is an excellent writer, and his wisdom is on display when discussing all things Jets. New York beat writers are known for being over the top, but Zach is always fair in his assessments. Tim, what can I say about Tim? I love the sound of his calming voice while my inner dialogue screams about the best decisions over the years. Last but not least, I can only assume Marissa is going to be great when she gets back from maternity leave. Go Jets, go Zach, go Tim. 
and go taking care of those babies. <laughs> awesome. That was good. That was great. Thanks, right, guys. Those were great. Yeah, excellent reviews. Thank you. We should make this a yearly tradition. Yeah, I like it. Um, that, what we'll do is I'll start keeping track from this point on. Yeah, so year all year. Now, we'll do the best. We won't read them all. Like, yeah, hopefully yeah. there's hundreds, so we won't read them all. But we'll uh, we'll clip aside the uh, the best one. So thank you, everybody, for taking the time to do that. Um, we appreciate everybody out there. Hope that your holidays have been great. Zach, any last thoughts before you head to Cleveland tomorrow? Yeah. There's no better place to spend. Well, you know what you should do on this trip? You're not going to have time, but this is the best time to go to the Christmas story house. I've gone, I've gone to the house before. Oh, you've gone there. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably packed Uh, now though. I went in October, walked right in at the house. It is, it is pretty cool. It is pretty cool for sure. Um, Yeah. I'll just say Merry Christmas. I'm not sure if we're going to get another one before the new year. So happy new year. Um, It's been a trying season, obviously, but we appreciate everybody who still comes in to listen and join us on these live shows. Um, looking forward to next year. We'll have a lot to talk about in the offseason, which is where we thrive, obviously, as Jets writers and Jets fans. Um, that's our Super Bowl, as everybody always says. So I hope you guys will jump back. Maybe we'll get Dane Brugler on pretty soon. Uh Dane time. We'll get some, we'll try and get some guests a lot this offseason. We'll get Marissa back pretty soon. I think she will she be there for our, our first pod after the new year? She, she may be. She's back Ooh. working. I don't know if we had ease her into podcasting. Okay, so, uh, but so yes, potentially she, uh, the return of Marissa. Uh, we'll talk about this this Browns game and look ahead to the end of the season. Um, and then we'll be in off-season mode. And, and that's, yeah, again, that's where we thrive. So thank you, guys. We love all of you, uh, even the mean ones. Uh, I love your 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 meanness gives me fuel to keep going. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, thank you guys for listening to all our, all our stuff and hating Connor along with us. All right. We'll talk to everybody again next week.